What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Up Before You podcast with me, Connor Warman. This episode of the Up Before You podcast is brought to you by Ticket Weirdo. With concert and game season just around the corner, the timing is perfect for those of you listening who want to plan your summer events. We've teamed up with Ticket Weirdo to make buying tickets this season super affordable. What's great about Ticket Weirdo is they are the only ticket site that doesn't charge you hidden service fees and also donates a portion of your purchase to charity. Check them out by simply going to TicketWeirdo.com and typing in code UBY at checkout to save an extra 10% off unlimited ticket purchases throughout the year. Once again, that's UBY at checkout to save an extra 10% off your ticket purchases and to keep it weird this summer. Now guys, if you have a moment, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show and leave a 5-star rating and a review. It only takes a second and is a great way to support the show, and the feedback means a lot to me. If you like this episode of the podcast, please share with family and friends and share via social media and make sure to tag Up Before You. And lastly, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook and visit upbeforeyou.com to keep up to date with all the latest episodes, news, and updates surrounding the show. Okay, my guest today is Vin Kampf. Vin is a longtime member and coach in the CrossFit community who started working with the pancreatic cancer charity Project Purple in 2017. Having lost his uncle to this insidious cancer, it allowed him the opportunity to take his compassionate nature and love for fitness to help others and fight back against one of the top cancer killers in the country. I attached a link in the show notes to the Project Purple website so you can learn more about the organization, what they do, and how you can get involved. And now, with all that being said, let's get on with the show. Would you mind taking me all the way back yeah. and starting in your childhood, yep. talking about sports and yeah. stuff you played, stuff like that? Yeah. So like, like, again, grew up on out in the East end of Long Island, um, been active my whole life. You know, so started playing little league baseball, you know, did the whole soccer, tried out all those things as a kid, um, through high school, played, uh, baseball, basketball, you know, played one year of football. I actually even hit the links and played, uh, golf for a little while, uh, for one season, which was always fun. Um, got to play on Shinnecock, um, golf course out on Long Island. So that was pretty <laughs> the reward of golfing because I'm not a great golfer um, was to be able to say I played on that course. Um, after college, after high school, went to college up at Sacred Heart University uh, in Connecticut um, and was able to play one year of D1 baseball there. Uh, broke my ankle and just never got back into it. It was one of those things where you know, went through a little bit of depression or whatever, just never got back into playing again. Um, graduated and uh, played the beer league quote unquote old man softball. <laughs> Um, but was missing that like competitive edge. So a lot of, you know, people were like, try CrossFit, try CrossFit. I was the guy that was like, buys and tries back and buys. (laughs) There we go. Um, you know, like, like a lot of people, um, tried it at the time. Um, I remember the first class I took, it was at CrossFit Milford over here in, in Connecticut. And, uh, the owner's wife gave me my first introductory class and it was like, it was Helen. So it was like three rounds the run, the 400 meter run, kettlebell swings and pull-ups. Like I had a green band for pull-ups. So I was like, what's going on? Like puked in the tire in the back. I was like, this sucks. Like I'm never coming back. You know, fast forward one week, I think I signed up and, you know, just loved it because I just love that competitive atmosphere. Um, but also the camaraderie, um, which I missed with baseball, you know, baseball being such a team friendly sport. Um, I liked that competitive but team aspect of, you know, everyone's cheering everyone on, you know, wait until the last person's 
done and you know like they say in crossfit the last person done usually gets the the most cheers yeah um, so i loved that aspect of it so you know growing up was always active you know played a lot of sports and you know just wanted to continue that through you know my adulthood college life and now adulthood so when did you find crossfit uh like about 13 years ago so 2007 2000 eight somewhere around there yeah, that's pretty early early days yeah yeah so crossfit milford was one of the first ones i believe in connecticut um and jay lyden who is the owner out there um you know took over a gym and, and started it and uh you know i just happened to go one day with a friend and the rest is history yeah. um and like, you know they're yeah Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say he's still around. That gym is still busy, and you know I've hopped from gym to gym just because of you know moving and, and life. But uh, it was it was a good place to start, um, and glad I was able to get a start in the early years of CrossFit. Mm-hmm. And what do you think like hooked you in right away about it? Um, the camaraderie of it, you know, the competitiveness, um, you know, being an athlete. Um, you know, after that first workout, when I was like dying in a tire and throwing up from the first workout, um, with a green band, I think it was more like after I got over that initial piece of like being embarrassed, um, of overdoing that, um, and got over myself, I think it was, you know, that personal push or that like drive to like be better, um, the next day or the next workout or, you know, encouraging having somebody that you don't even know necessarily, you know, encourage you, you know, and keep pushing you on through a workout. Um, so I loved that community aspect of it, um, which was huge for me. Mm-hmm. So then coming out of college, what kind of degree did you have coming out and what was like your first job? Yeah, I actually had, I got a business administration with a concentration and management degree, um, moved back home for a year, uh, and worked actually not even, well, I guess sort of in that field. I, I worked with my uncle at his, uh, deli slash butcher store, um, which, you know, for the year was great. Um, during that year, um, I decided I wanted to go back to school to pursue an elementary education certificate. Okay. So I love kids. I love being around kids. I love working with kids. Um, so I went back to sacred heart for a year, another year, summer in a year, uh, and got my elementary teaching certificate, um, taught for a year, and then realized that I didn't really like the classroom aspect of it. I'd rather be you know, outside or in a gym, uh, that type of thing. But I didn't want to go back to school for you know, another X amount of years to get a gym or PE you know, degree. Um, you know, so I just you know, started coaching. Um, you know, and kept that aspect of it alive, you know, through being able to coach. Coaching what? Uh, CrossFit. Oh, yep. so, so I became a, a okay. cert- yeah, certified personal trainer and, and a CrossFit coach. So you were coaching CrossFit, but you, and then you stayed in the business world too? I did. So I had, um, at that point, I was selling yellow pages, okay. which <laughs> miserable. Yeah. Um, and I think at that point, yeah, yellow book, like I've never even opened one. Um, it, everything was online anyway. Um, and then I was actually a pharmaceutical rep for 10 years. Um, loved it, hated it. Um, it took its course. Uh, there's pros and cons to it. Uh, money was great, but I went home miserable every single day. Um, and, but that? just the, the, the micromanaging, I guess, and the, you know, not believing necessarily in everything that I was selling or not believing in how certain things are practiced in the pharmaceutical world. Okay. Um, you know, I would be in offices and be like, Oh, we can't, 
you know, write that product because XYZ came in and we just did a dinner with them. And it wasn't really, there was just aspects of it where, you know, favoritism, unfortunately, I hate to say it, you know, played into what certain people were prescribing, um, which may not necessarily be the best for a patient at that time. And, you know, coming from a health background, I do think that a lot of that can be dealt with, with nutrition and working out. And there's a lot of diseases out there that, you know, necessarily we don't need to be on medication. So, um, at the, at the time it was literally just a job for me. Like I hate, I was in a suit and tie every day, which I hate, um, <laughs> it, like driving around, putting miles on my car, you know, getting back injuries. Cause I'm sitting all day. Um, you know, and just that, like, it was, I just didn't agree with a lot that was going on in the field. Did that make it hard to sell like something you didn't really believe it, in? Absolutely. 100%. Um, there were many times where, I was like, I don't, I'm talking to a doctor and I was just like, I, you know what? This isn't right for you or your yeah. patients. Like, don't write it. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, at the end I was selling birth control and there's like 8,000 birth control pills and some are generic. And like at the end of the day, they pretty much all do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're all 99.9% accurate. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, you know, like I, I it, it found it very difficult to, you know, to push stuff that I necessarily didn't believe in. Um, but it was a job at the time. Yeah. So then what ultimately got you out of that? So there's a silver lining there, which, um, obviously with pharmaceutical world, everybody knows you get a lot of, um, you know, layover or layoffs and mergers and acquisitions, um, survived three of them. And then the fourth one came along and I just so happened to be one of those numbers that got laid off. Um, at the time it was devastating. Um, didn't know what I was going to do. I had a house I had to pay for, um, wasn't married at the time, but you know, was in relationships and like, you know, you have bills and like, how are you going to pay for this? So I picked up more hours coaching, um, was going on interviews, but like I said, I hated the job and I would go on interviews and leave and be like, no, I don't want to take the second interview. It's just not for me. I was at that point in that 10, I've been with project purple for going on three years. So I was, that was 10 years before that. So 13 years. So I was like in my mid low thirties, they're around 30. And at that point I, I was at a point where I was just like, I need to be more fulfilled. Like I'm not going to take a job and just be miserable. I would have friends tell me like, dude, you're miserable. Like this isn't you, like what's going on uh, in the, in the pharmaceutical world. So I, you know, picked up more hours coaching and it was just looking for something that was going to be more fulfilling to me. Um, cause pharmaceuticals wasn't it. Um, I would go to bed every night. Like I wasn't going to bed every night satisfied or grateful. Um, and that was a big thing for me at that point in my life. Um, especially, you know, going through a layoff, I was like, I have an opportunity right now to take something that, you know, could derail me and, and bring me down, or I could use that opportunity to really start to pursue stuff that I love. Um, which allowed me to get into more coaching, get more education in nutrition and that kind of stuff. And ultimately led me to where I am today with Project Purple. And so then how did the opportunity with Project Purple come about? Um, sort of, you, it wasn't expected. Um, so uh, my girlfriend at the time and now wife uh, was actually competing 
on the CrossFit Milford team that went to the games um, that year. Um, they, they finished tied for sixth, and I think at the end of the day, finished seventh. Um, and Project Purple and Dino, who's the CEO, had sponsored the team. So I was going out you know, to support them. And he had you know, seen me at the gym one day and was like, hey, do you want to you know, bring some shirts out, you know, to the games and hand them out to just random people and everything. And I was like, absolutely. Um, at the time, uh, a year prior to that, um, my uncle was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Um, at that time had nothing or knew nothing about what the disease was. I really, you know, I can, I still remember the day, um, that I got the call from my dad. Um, you know, saying that, you know, my uncle Bill had pancreatic cancer and I was like, oh, okay, he'll just go get, you know, chemotherapy. He'll be fine and everything will be good. Um, get off the phone, turn around to the computer and start Googling. And, you know, for anybody that's Googled pancreatic cancer, I mean, the, the statistics are just hideous. Uh, you know, a 10% survival rate, you know, back then it was nine, you know, majority of the people have six months to live. So, I was going through that the year prior, um, but still wasn't thinking about getting into anything like this. Um, so fast forward, I go to the games, you know, he gives me a bunch of apparel to hand out. Um, I come back, um, he, we meet for lunch and he, we just talk about how the experience was, you know, overall, you know, with the games being in Madison that first year and all that, you know, fun stuff that accompanied that and being there in that atmosphere. Um, and then fast forward like another two weeks, uh, he had you know, called me back into the office and they had an opportunity to hire another employee, you know, to progress their programs. And I don't even think he finished the sentence. And I was like, yes, absolutely. Um, at that time, my uncle had passed away um, after a nine month battle. So um, it was like a no brainer to me to you know, just say yes. It didn't. Nothing else mattered. I was like, absolutely. I'm going to take yeah. this job. So. So at that time, were you still just coaching? At that time, I was still just coaching. Yeah, like, and it wasn't even—I mean, full time, twenty-five hours a week or whatever. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, and it was a coaching salary. You know, it was, but I was making ends meet. You know, I was doing stuff. Um, you know, so then this came on. I decreased my coaching hours and you know took on the Project Purple thing full time. So, what was the experience at Madison like? What What were you doing? Uh, me, I was following around the team and you know my wife um you know she was competing in you know getting to the games and actually fulfilling one of her dreams to get there so i wanted to capture it with my take as many pictures as i could yeah. um so when they were competing i was chasing them around um jay at crossfit milford did have a lot of people there as well like individual athletes um you know so i would you know when they weren't when the team wasn't competing i would like try to scurry along to other events that were going on and capture pictures of them. Cause I, I knew them, I trained with them, I worked out with them. Um, so that was, a, it was exciting. You know, I was at the games in California too, just as a spectator uh, when it was out in Carson. Um, Wisconsin was a different animal. It was, just, it was just like, I don't think everything was just more condensed. There was a lot more people it seemed, um, but it was fun. The layout was great. It was easy to get to places from place to place. And the energy was just like, you know, unmatched, you know, it was crazy, you know, to be at that kind of place. And I had a backpack of t-shirts that I was just like, Hey, you know, and I was wearing, I think I was wearing this shirt one day, you know, work, you work harder. It's not chemo on there. Um, you know, people would ask me about it and I'd be able to talk to them and like just, you know, start a conversation. And, you know, some people 
you know, were touched. Some people weren't, some people just wanted to know, and I was just handing out shirts. So it was, it was a fun experience. Mm -hmm. So what exactly is Project Purple? Can you give me a little history kind of of that? Absolutely. Yeah. So Project Purple is a a 501c3. We're a nonprofit for pancreatic cancer. Um, Our vision is a world without pancreatic cancer. uh, And we do that through providing patient financial aid to patients that are battling and helping them, you know, along their battle. Um, Because obviously with the expenses that are associated with cancer in general, um, it's, it can be a huge burden on people. So we help people with patient financial aid. Um, but we also, number one, we provide you know, funding and research for early detection and a cure for pancreatic cancer. Because right now, there is no early detection. There is no cure. And unfortunately, it goes, pancreatic cancer goes undiagnosed um, until it's pretty much too late in stage four. Majority of the cases our patients are diagnosed stage three or four. And at that point, it's inoperable. Um, only one in five cases are operable. Uh, and even at that, it's not a guaranteed cure. Um, so we fund a lot of research for early detection and the cure. So when you got involved, when you took the job there, what were you doing? Um, so I came on as um, their fitness director or fitness program director. So the organization was started as a running charity. So it's basically an, it's an endurance-based charity. So we are still charity partners of 16 to 18 marathons across the country. Uh, where we're charity partners with them. We get teams of runners that run for us and they have fundraising goals and minimums that they have to hit. Um, but at that time, um, five is, Project Purple has been around for 10 years. Um, five years ago, um, Dino's home gym, CrossFit Bethany up here in Connecticut, um, just did a, like most gyms do, <laughs> did like a benefit workout. He lost his father um, and he, they did a benefit workout for him. Um, and then the next year, their sister Jim found out about it, and the owner had lost his lost her mom, um, so they joined in. Um, so at that point is when I came on. He wanted to grow it into like let's get more fitness involved in this. Let's not just be you know marathons, which is our primary source of you know funding, but you know let's get fitness, whether it's CrossFit, whether it's orange theory, whether it's spinning, boxing, whatever, um, let's grow this program. Um, so I came on to run that program. Very cool. So what, what the, the name's project purple, why project purple? Well, purple is the color of, um, you know, the ribbon, it's the color of pancreatic cancer, um, along with some others, but you know, that is the color of, you know, pancreatic cancer. Um, you know, and you know, the project, it's just, you know, we're on a mission and, it, and it's our project or our mission to, you know, fight for survival for these patients that are fighting for this and you know, fight for this world without pancreatic cancer. So in terms of pancreatic cancer, how much research is being done and how far off are they from a cure? <laughs> Pretty far. And uh, research has come a long way. There is a lot. It unfortunately is still one of the least funded um, cancers on a government level, um, even though the survival rate is the lowest of all major cancers. Um, but research has been coming a long way. They have been making progress, um, but there's just so many unknowns uh, mm-hmm. still. Um, the signs and symptoms are lower back pain and stomach pain. You know, as CrossFitters, <laughs> we have back pain all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, nowadays, you know, especially you know, with this Corona going around, like yeah. people are going to have stomach pain. You know, so 
it, often it gets time, it gets misdiagnosed. Um, you know, and that's when I look back at my uncle, you know, he had, he was a carpenter and he had back pain all the time. Um, it, just thought it was from the job. Yeah. Um, so it goes undiagnosed one day rolls around. He can't even get out of bed and fast forward, goes get tests and he had pancreatic cancer, had since metastasized to other areas of the body. And he was given six months to live and he think he lasted nine. Um, you know, so there, the progress is being made. Um, it's just slow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, it's, you know, but I think that's where, uh, all cancers have to start there somewhere. Right. So, yeah. you know, you, I always look at breast cancer, you know, at one point, your know, breast cancer has a 99, almost 98% survival rate. They've progressed it so much, you know, over the years, you know, with testing and with being able to do mammograms and, you know, all this stuff, you know, with prostate cancer, you know, you have like a PSA test, you know, they were, you were able to find these tests. Um, so that's where that progress is going. Um, and where we focus a lot of our energy is on getting specifically funded into those areas to find this test, you know, some kind of test where it can be detected early. And why do you think it's one of the least funded? Good question. <laughs> I, I really wish I had an, had, knew, had an answer. Um, I mean, this is just my personal opinion, I guess. Um, when you look at the number of cases, uh, it's not very high you know, as opposed to other cancers. So um, I don't know the numbers for like breast cancer, but in 2020, you know, this year it's uh, 57,600 people will be diagnosed on, and you're estimated, you know, so that number, when you look at the total number of people that are going to be diagnosed with cancer is, I would say fairly on the, on the low end, you know, but when you look at the other end of it, why it's important, when you look at the 10% survival rate of that, of those 57,600, 51,000, almost 52,000 are going to die within five years. Um, so I think whereas the percent survival is low, that there's just not a lot of di – like right now, the diagnoses are increasing, but it's not at that – you know. and I wish I knew the number for like breast cancer and other cancers, but yeah. there's more people diagnosed with them. It's, mm -hmm. more, it's more aware. People are more aware of that. Um, so that I, in my opinion, I feel like that's, that's why it's just, you know, it's becoming more people will be diagnosed this year than last year. And more people are going to die this year than last year. Um, it's actually going to become the number two killer of all cancers in the U S this year. Um, and it is currently number two in about 13 States. Wow. Um, yeah. With lung and colorectal as one and two. So what are some of the big events that you've been able to be a part of with this organization? And then looking back, what are some of like your favorites or some of the highlights? Yeah. So um, my events are primarily working with CrossFit facilities. Um, you know, we do, we call, we have a workout. It's called push pull for pancreatic cancer. Um, it's a 20 minute workout. Uh, it's 11 pull-ups, 18 push-ups, three deadlifts and a 200 meter run. Um, all have meaning. So 11 is November pancreatic cancer awareness month. November 18th was the first ever world pancreatic cancer day and the first ever push pull workout. Um, the three is that it is, well, it's on the cusp of becoming number two, but it's number, it's a number three killer of all cancers in the U S right now, the 200 meter run, we're a running charity. And then the 20 minutes when you put those together, you know, this year, 2020, it will become number two. 
um, killer of all cancers in the U.S. So we asked gyms just to host the workout, you know, like you would any other workout. Um, and this year we've actually opened it to any day of the year that fits into your schedule because um, gyms have a lot going on. Um, but also they can even make up their own workout this year if they don't want to interrupt their programming or interrupt stuff they have going on. Um, you know, they can just program it as a workout as, you know, their daily regular programming. We just ask them to, you know, name it project purple push pull for pancreatic cancer, or, you know, an awareness workout for pancreatic cancer. Um, yeah, so that's my main focus, um, is getting those, you know, getting CrossFit facilities on board to, you know, help support patients and help support what we're doing and, you know, hopefully increasing these survival rates. Um, my favorite, oh, I can't put a finger on any of the favorites because all of them are, and I know that's the politically correct answer, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but my, my favorite ones, um, I mean, they all, they're all special, right? Um, Invictus Boston um, did an event with us two years ago. That was just special, I think, because of the name that was attached to it, you know, having Invictus and like Kelsey Keel was there and, you know, some other big names were at the gym and, yeah. you know, were able to be a part of it. Um but even I think some of the smaller ones where, you know, you're at a local gym and, you know, they just do the workout because they want to do the workout, you know, because it's for a good cause and they want to help out. And, you know, at, when, if I'm there and I try to get to as many as I can, um, you know, and I give my speech on who we are, what we do and how they're helping and what we do, um, you know, it, it's always special when, you know, that one or two people come up to you after the workout um, just, you know, just to thank you for what you're doing yeah. where no one in the gym knew that they were affected or knew that they had lost somebody. Um, you know, but they come up and you know, they just thank you for, you know, doing what we're doing and, you know, trying to, you know, fix this disease or trying to you know, make progress in a disease that, you know, took one of their loved ones in such a short amount of time. Um, so they all hold like a, a special place. Um, but they're all, and they're all different. Uh, you know, yeah. to, with their own special, you know, take out of each one of them. So how does a CrossFit gym go about getting involved in something like this? Yeah. So we have a website, like in a registration link, um, they can always reach out to me and, and email me, but, um, you know, we have a link, um, you know, through a race roster website, uh, that I can send out. And right now I just reach out to gyms and email call, you know, send out mailers, that yeah. kind of stuff, try to post on social media. Um, you know, and they just register. It's free for the gym to register. Um, at any time, you know, they can, you know, and then once they register, we ask them to encourage the community to register and, you know, they can register for, they don't have to, to participate, but it's $25 to register if a participant wants to, and, you know, they get a free shirt that goes along with that. And then we encourage fundraising, um, you know, to help us on our mission and, to, you know, help move along what we're doing. Um, so it's real easy. Uh, you just, they just go onto the website, register, say what day they want to do it. And that just allows me to make it easy on the gym owner where I'll send out promotional material and I'll send out, you know, whatever they need, flyers, you know, fundraising ideas, different things to do at the gym. Um, you know, it's really, and all they have to do is have a coach there and coach the workout. Yeah. Uh, and it can be as big or as small as, as people want it, yeah. you know, so. And then how do individuals get involved? So individuals can get involved if their gym isn't doing the workout they can still get involved and they can you know register as a quote-unquote fundraiser um and just do fundraising and do the workout out of their out of their home gym if they have that or i've had people register and the gym didn't and they just did it one day at open gym and they just did the workout so they can do it that way number one number two they can join their team you know so as 
the gym registers, you know, there's a link to, they, they can go on and register and join their team. Um, and then, you know, say, you know, whatever gym that is, they have their team, they have teammates on there and, you know, there's fundraising incentives along the way that, you know, I have that, you know, encourage fundraising, but it's the same way. They just go on the website, um, register and you'll participate. And we always ask them just to remember why they're participating. It's, you know, it's a workout. Like I always say, like when we do Murph, we're doing it for, you know, our military and for Murph and, you know, for what they did in their battle, you know, with this, it's, you know, we're doing it for, you know, the people we've lost, you know, unfortunately the, you know, 90% of people that will die, you know, when they get diagnosed with this disease. Um, but we're also doing it for the families, um, that have lost people, um, and doing it for the patients that are battling. Mm -hmm. And I've seen it just at event from event to event. Uh, you know, like I, I touched on it before, like, family members coming up to you and, and saying, you know, just a, you know, thank you. You've, you've brought hope to us. Or if they have someone battling, it's, you know, thank you. You know, my XYZ is, is battling right now. And, you know, I told them they were doing this and they just lit, lit up their day and they, you know, had a little bit of energy that day. Um, those are the little things that, you know, really go a long way. Whereas, you know, somebody might not even know, you know, yeah. anybody diagnosed, but when I'm able to share a story, of going to a gym and having 20, 25, 30 people participate, you know, in a workout, you know, to help them, you know, it really, it lifts their spirits and allows us to do some, some really amazing things in, in fighting this disease. Mm-hmm. And do you like allow, so like people can team up with people from other gyms and like across the country and stuff? Yeah, they can, if they want. I mean, I've had gyms do that and they combine and do like one big workout. Um, you know, they can, you know, really it, it, they can do it however they want. I've had gyms allow outside community members to come in, which is a great, you know, way on their end to bring new members in. Right. Um, I think when a lot of people see, you know, a lot of people have a false perception of CrossFit, you know, Oh, it's negative. We're going to get hurt. I don't want to get big. I don't want to get bulky. Or they have this, like, it's a cult type thing. Right. (laughs) We hear that all the time. Um, you know, but I feel, and this is, this goes with like any charity or any, you know, kind of event. I think if they, if they can promote it to, you know, the outside community that, Oh, this isn't just like a quote unquote cult, you know, these people are doing a pancreatic cancer workout. Wow. Like, all right, let me go check that out. You know, so it's open to anybody. Um, I've had gyms like register on their own, but go like head to head, you know, whereas, you know, it's hard cause there's no judges or anything like that and counting your reps and everything. Yeah. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they'll, you know, they'll have like a little internal battle and, you know, see who the winner is. And, you know, we can always get creative with like prizes we send to them and like, okay, you guys want to do this. And, all right. These gyms are competing against each other. Obviously there's going to be a little leeway in the rep counting and everything, but yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we can provide some assistance in that way. Yeah. And, you know, that's the fun part about it. You know, people really do take it, you know, to another level when it comes to like creativity and, you know, getting more people involved and, you know, making it fun, but for a good cause. Mm-hmm. And what are some big things or new things you guys got planned for 2020 and the future? Yeah. So 2020, um, you know, some big things on, you know, our running side, um, is, you know, our marathon program is, you know, live and well. So if there's any CrossFitters out there that want to, you know, run any marathons (laughs) and everything, um, you know, we're actually going to be in Berlin, uh, this year we have a team, you know, for one of the big six races, you know, out in Berlin. 
Um, you know, we're obviously in New York. New York's the 50th anniversary this year of the oh, wow. running of the New York Marathon. Um, so <laughs> who knows? The New York half just got canceled this weekend. Oh, geez. Um, yeah, but, it's been you know, crazy. Ho- yeah, it's hopefully been in November. Yeah. Hopefully in November, everything kind of starts to calm down. So your running of the 50th marathon, it's going to be a huge event for us this year. Um, we have, I think, about 140, 100 and something slots or spots guaranteed to people that want to run for us. Um, and then you know, we do an I Conquer event, which is you know, we have people twice a year that can go out and hike the Grand Canyon. Um, it's basically an all-inclusive you know, plan, you know, paid for trip, you know, there is fundraising that's required. Uh, only thing you have to pay for is your airfare, but it's a, basically a two day hike, you know, down to the bottom of the grand Canyon and back up, uh, you know, for two days. So that's, that's pretty cool, new and exciting. Um, and then on the, on my side, you know, we've just expanded this and opened this to, you know, CrossFit gyms. Uh, I just had two back-to-back weekends at F45s that got involved in doing stuff. Um, spinning studios, Orange Theory Fitnesses, Barry's Boot Camps, like incorporating a lot of new different areas, um, you know, in the fitness world to to get involved. Uh, we're doing a five borough bike tour, um, you know, through New York City. Okay. So we have a lot of like fun events, um, you know, in the area, and in, and in, if you're local, you know, certain we have about five walks too, uh-huh. as well, um, walk slash five Ks. Uh, two up here in New York, in Connecticut, one in Jersey, and then two in Nebraska right now. Um, so those are, you know, the events we have lined up and they all, all go to funding our, our efforts, which, which is awesome. huge. Yeah. So now for you, you go from years ago being a pharmaceutical rep, kind of borderline depressed, you said. To <laughs> Borden- now- <laughs> it was, it was more than borderline. That was, if you ask my wife right now, she, I, cause I've, there's been times where I've mentioned getting back into that and she would, she was like, absolutely not. We wouldn't be together because you were miserable. Like, huh. yeah. So <laughs> there was no borderline there. That was straight up. Yeah. <laughs> so now you go into something that you're obviously passionate about and that you love. What is it like for you to work for something and a cause that's so personal and to you? Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, and granted I've been touched by this, um, which makes it even more worthwhile. So I lost my uncle um, after a nine month battle. Um, one of my best friends lost his mom after one month. Um, another one of my friends lost her mom after six. And then just this past January, another friend lost his dad in a week. Um, he had, that one was tough because he had messaged me for referrals to a facility, you know, for, to go see a different doctor, or get a second opinion. And we got them, we emailed them over to him and he emailed me that night that his dad passed away. Um, you know, so diagnosed and one week later he passes away. Um, you know, so for me, it, it's, it's huge. And I go to bed every night, like grateful. Um, is it hard? Is there ups and downs along the way? Yes. Um, you know, there's good days, there's bad days, but I mean, every night, um, I'm able to put my head on my pillow and know that I did something in a positive way to help families cope, help families, you know, in that need support um, and help the future. Cause you know, at the way the statistics are going, you know, it's only going to get worse, you know, before it gets better, unfortunately, as it becomes, people start getting more and more aware of this now with Alex Trebek battling. Right. I think people have a, 
a sense of like, oh, this is like stuff to look for. So people are looking for, and it's getting more diagnosed now, which is good. So now how can we get that earlier? Um, so I go to bed every night, just grateful to be able to have this opportunity to impact, um, you know, the future of this disease. Uh, and a piece of that was last year being able to fund a $1.25 million grant for a first of its kind early detection clinic. Uh, you know, here at NYU, um, but it's also a consortium of about 34 facilities internationally, a couple international, um, but mostly here in the U.S. that are looking for this early detection clinic. So when you have stuff like that, um, it's just, it's one of the most fulfilling things I could have ever dreamed of. Um, never thought I'd be doing this. Never thought I'd be in the nonprofit world. Never yeah, thought I'd yeah. be, you know, doing it. But I'm able to put two of my passions together, which is amazing. You know, I love CrossFit. I love coaching. And now I love doing this. And when I'm able to intertwine them and, and put them all together, it's, it's really, it's really something special uh, to be able to do and to meet all the amazing people I'm meeting along the way. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so cool. It's, it's, I think it's a really cool thing and you yeah. seem really, really passionate about it. Yeah. So. It's like I said, it has its ups and downs and there's yeah. days where you just want to throw in the towel sometimes because it's frustrating and, you know, there's not much progress being made or like, you know, whatever, some gyms aren't coming on board or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's, it, it's rewarding. And, you know, if you, I mean, if you go on my social media, like my own personal social media page is like pretty much plastered everything about, you know, Project Purple and, um, you know, what we're doing and, you know, statistics and you're know, trying to be trying to beat this thing. Well, Vin, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for sitting down and telling your story. It's super Absolutely. awesome, man. Thanks. Absolutely. I appreciate it. And if I could leave on, on one last thing, you know, I have the shirt on, it's work harder. It's not chemo. Yep. Um, it's my favorite shirt. It's a lot of people's favorite shirt. And this goes, you know, for anybody, you know, it doesn't matter what, what cancer you deal with. It doesn't matter. You know, we all know somebody that has gone through cancer or that has, you know, gone through chemo. Uh -huh. We, we do CrossFit and it doesn't matter, you know, do that extra rep, you know, push a little bit harder, you know, work harder. It's not chemo. It's nothing compared to what somebody with, you know, battling chemotherapy is going through. Um, you know, just think about those things, you know, during your everyday workouts, you know, they're what we do working out is nothing compared to, you know, a lot of other things in life. So we can always make an impact. And sometimes seeing somebody go through that extra push is just what somebody needs or giving somebody a pat on the back. It's just what somebody needs, you know, especially in this day and age in the world we live in, you know, just be a good person and you know, do the right thing. And thank you everyone for listening. And I hope you enjoyed episode 116 of this show. We'll see you next time on the up before you podcast. Thank you and have a great day.